When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Is in Houston at the Supercross, the Monster Energy Supercross Series. And uh, no surprise, the big winner was Cooper Webb. But it wasn't like you'd think. He had to really work for it. And uh, they take the average of the three races. So he went 2-1-3 to finish first overall. Marvin Muskin was the fastest guy on the track, no doubt. And uh, he finished with a 5-3-1. Ran off the track twice during the race. Three times, actually. Twice by Cooper Webb and once by... Well, I wouldn't say Dean ran him off. I would just say Dean was in the sp space that he was trying to be in. They were racing. They were all racing incidents. However, Cooper Webb, his teammate, was quite aggressive. Absolutely. Uh, it looked like statements were being made. I wasn't in Houston. I was... Uh, riding locally at Oak Ridge, but um, some motocross. But I, I watched it on the TV broadcast, and I heard Carmichael say something about um, Cooper was retaliating from something earlier in the race, but I never saw it. So I, I didn't either. And I, did they have – is there a qualifier? Are there Are there heat races during Triple Crowns? There have to be. We just aren't seeing them on live on the broadcast. Right, yep. So you, you've got a, a – during the day, they go by their their lap times and practice, and that's their qualifier, just like just like they do for the Any night other program. Weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, but then in the, the the main event, they go. They actually have qualifiers for the main event, and that's how you qualify, and then and determines your gate start and all that. But because there's six mains, that's what is the Saturday night show that we all see on broadcast Correct. TV. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Web, his, I mean, there's we're counting down now. We're counting down. Barring any unforeseen catastrophic situations for Cooper Webb, I mean, his, it's his championship. Absolutely is, and he's looking dominant. He was, uh, you know, you commented on his third race performance. I would say he might have been managing that. He knew exactly what he had to do sure. to get the overall, and there was no reason to go crazy and uh, pull a move that any number of other guys had already pulled that night. Hey, look, Roxon. Hey, look, Tomac. Uh, guys who, sh who really seemed to have the ball rolling in their favor, then didn't. So Dylan Ferrandis, the 250 West Coast is, is on fire right now, and it is a different story. Adam Cianciarello has been dominant this year, but he had an off night. He went 1-10-3, had some fall downs, and Dylan is his closest competitor. He goes 2-1-2 for the overall win. Adam finishes fourth. It's it's anybody's race still. He's got a five-point cush is all. And going into, uh, you know, going into Vegas, it's going to be pretty exciting, I think. And they got more than just Vegas. There's a couple rounds yet. So, uh, yeah, he's going to have to, you know, race out the season. It is going to be a nail-biter, which is good for everybody. You want to talk about some road racing? 
Actually, we've got Let's, Larry we Pagram on. Well, we'll talk road racing with that guy anytime. Larry Pagram, the worm, joins us now. Larry, what's going on? Uh, just, uh, I'm a businessman now. You know? Oh, yeah, big-time business guy, really busy. Yeah, I'm old and, I'm old and decrepit. Jack said he called you and it went to a fax line. You still got a fax line at your house? You know you're balling when you got a you got, got a hard. A, I got a fax line and an AOL.com email. Oh so man, it shows you my age. Pony Express stop right out <laughs> back, buddy. <laughs> so Scott Casper and Larry Pegram are the two people that still use AOL. Got it. That's all. That's for all my spam emails. I, I keep that one just so that I can realize how much spam there is out there. Well, there's plenty. Co- yeah, collect that stuff. So, are you still using? Uh, for our listeners who don't know, Larry, you've clearly had uh what any professional racer would call a long and uh momentous uh career and it isn't over you've recently been out over in australia competing with other legends let's say legends of uh of racing in that uh island classic over there and you did a wonderful job congratulations on that but you're also competing in our own aft twin series this year correct yeah, I've been doing, uh, I did that race over at uh, the Phillip Island Classic, which was a ball. I've never done a, a vintage race, and we we raced in the, what they called modern vintage, which were, the bike I rode was uh, David Crussell's, it was a Yamaha FJ1200 in a prototype chassis, and and it was supposed to be big fun, and then it quickly got serious, because we wanted to kick the Australians' butt, and we ended up getting beat by them, but it was me and Josh Hayes, Steve Rapp, um, Michael Gilbert, and then unfortunately Jason Pridmore obviously fell off and got hurt. But we had a good time over there, and and it was uh, it just uh, it was a good reminder for me how much I miss racing. So I started. Uh, Indian was uh, was gracious enough to supply me with a bike to do the Daytona TT, and I made the main and and uh, and got eleventh. Which the track was uh, was treacherous to say the least. It definitely wasn't an old guy's track. It was a young guy's track, as bumpy as it was, and then. Uh, we went to uh, the Atlanta short track uh, a week and a half ago and uh, and got eighth. So I made the main again and qualified six and was was feeling pretty strong and uh, getting a little bit quicker. We were we were we were pretty close to the leaders there. So I'm pretty pretty happy with it. Larry, that's uh, first of all crazy impressive uh, for a guy who can it be accurately said you weren't necessarily out training on a day-in, day-out basis to be a flat tracker. We all know that you have a long history of flat tracking, both uh, you know, early in your career, middle of your career. You've been out there uh, on any number of rides, but is it fair to say you weren't necessarily training day-in, day-out flat tracking? Oh, it's definitely necessary to say I wasn't training on anything. I've been really busy. I've got a new business that I've been doing the last couple of years, and uh and so it's taken up most of my time. It's a startup, and and everything's going good. But I, I just realized, listen, I got a race. It's it's what I do. It's kind of it's kind of how I live. <laughs> so I uh, you know I got into this, and and like I said, uh, Gary Gray and the guys at SNS, Paul Langley and Dean Young, and and everybody uh, at SNS and Indian were gracious enough to give me a bike. David Lloyd and his and the Lloyd Brothers Motorsports they helped out. My dad. So it was kind of old school and. Uh, and we just had, went and had a good time, and, and uh, like I said, David Lloyd, who's one of my lifelong friends, uh, he ran the Ducati team, you know, in dirt track for a few years, and I had worked with them a little bit on that, but we, um, we've we known each other since we were kids racing, and I said, hey, I'm going to go do this thing with Indian, and I'd, I want you to do it with me so we can have fun. I said, like we used to when we were kids, and 
And it was funny because we went and we tested one time, and and then we went to Daytona, and it was one of those deals where we we did pretty good in testing, and we and and we got about halfway through the night, and it wasn't looking as good as it should have, as I well, as what we thought it should have. And I said, man, we we got to have fun. We're getting too serious. <laughs> so we made the main, and we did okay. And then uh, by the time we got to Atlanta, I think we were we were turning a few heads. You know, we qualified sixth, and. I think we had a good shot at the top five, and and I screwed up a little bit on the line in the main event, and was kind of way in the back and moved my way up. But I feel uh, I feel like I can still go pretty fast, and we're starting to get that Indian dialed in. So hopefully, I'm going to do a few more. That that was going to be my next question, Larry. I mean, what are your realistic plans? Your it sounds like maybe it's not to hit every single round of this AFT season. It's definitely not to hit every single round. I, I you know I want uh, as much as I want to. I don't think I want to. You know, I'm 46 years old now, and uh, it was funny because when we were at the Atlanta Short Track, uh, Brian Smith was there, and I was, like, trying to figure out who was the oldest guy in the main other than me, and I asked Brian Smith how old he was, and he was 35. So I was 11 years older than him, and he was the next oldest guy in the main. So I felt pretty cool just to be there, and I really am enjoying riding, but I want to do the events that I want to do. And and uh, the neat thing is I'm really starting to get – pretty good groundswell support for a bunch of old guys are coming up to me at every race <laughs> the fans and, and really getting excited because i think i'm kind of their representative out there everybody uh you know excited about having a guy at my age that's able to go out there and run pretty good so i i think you know we're, we're going to definitely do some more uh i'm kind of trying to set it up and see how many of them i can do and and like i said it, it's it's going to be fun i'm going to do it with the lloyd brothers and and indian and sns so we're looking forward to it. Our guest is Larry Pegram, the worm, as they call him, and uh, been a regular on this program over the years. Larry, how good is that bike? I mean, I you've you've been around flat track a bunch, and, and obviously it's the bike of choice. Everybody's on it. Um, you've got Lloyd Brothers. They've got a pretty rich history in, in flat track, so they ought to know set up pretty well. Um, it, it's got to be a lot of fun. The thing works pretty well. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's a really good bike, and the thing that's fun too is I got another guy that, I, and I need to mention him too, John Cornwell, who works for Olin's, who's been helping out with stuff too, and he works with all the flat track guys for Olin's, uh, the factory team there with Indian and stuff, and and flat track is is what it is. It's basic racing, and and a lot of these guys, you know, they come in. I think you know, you see Yamaha came in this year with the Essenson team, and they got a long road ahead of them. That motor is pretty incredible for Yamaha. It makes a lot of power, but it's all about making power, getting it to the ground, making the chassis work, making the bike rideable. And Indian, i got to say, S&S really was a big part of it, but Indian came out with a bike that just right out of the box was easy to ride, did everything well. You know, it didn't do anything bad, and it did everything well. You know, so I, I commend them. Those guys have, you know, they've convinced a lot of guys to that the only way that they can win is on that bike. And so when you can convince, you know, a top-level pro guy that says, well, I'm, if I can't beat him, join him. Indian did a great job. And S&S, like I said, those guys did a great job of, of helping them design that bike and build it. And, uh, you know, there's not many guys that can come in there and in one year do what they did. So I, I'm pretty impressed with them. Larry, are you still based? Uh, you still a Buckeye? Still out of Ohio? I'm still an Ohio boy. Yeah, I am uh, Ohio born and raised. I'm not going anywhere. My wife is dra- trying to drag us south. Which, in the winter, I think she's correct. In the summer, I think she's wrong. So. I agree with that. <laughs> Where would you go? Florida. My wife's from Florida. Her right. parents are yeah. down there, and 
we like Florida. We, we used to spend a lot more time down there, but you know, I've got a a ten year old and a fourteen year old girl now, and they they are in school, so we spend a lot of time up here, obviously. But we, we'll definitely probably end up uh, snowbirds. How do you pull uh, that off? Because we're we're talking about doing the same thing, but I don't. We did the Florida thing when my dad was down there, and that is fine for you know everybody but me i want to ride dirt bikes and arizona is the place because you can ride your dirt bike from your garage right down the street to taco bell right down the the desert to the desert it's it's fantastic and no chance i want to live there from march through october October, november but i kind of want to get away from but how do you pull that off when you got kids because i got a four-year-old and we're we're kind of scratching our head trying to figure out we don't want a homeschooler well, then you're screwed. Because we're not that smart. We ain't. <laughs> that's, the, that, that, that's the basic uh, thing. You're going to live where where you want them to go to school. There's no getting around it. These these days, you know, I, I see a lot of people homeschooling. Hey, that's your your thing. But uh, I, 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 um, we're really happy with the school. Our kids are in here in Ohio. So, unfortunately, we're here until they're, until they're 18. <laughs> well, that gives you a chance to keep on racing. Yeah, let's get yeah, on to I, some really important stuff, Larry. Who was the top dog in Australia? Let's the, let the smack talking begin as we build up to next year's team. Uh, you know, it's hard to say because God, that was a stacked I was crew. Best, I, I was the best uh, there, but I wasn't the fastest, only because <laughs> of certain reasons that we can't talk about. Um, no, <laughs> gotcha. I would say, to be honest with you, I would say there was an Australian kid there. And I feel like a jerk because I can't remember his name, but he was pretty darn quick. Um, and then there was uh, Jason Pridmore, I think, was probably going to be the fastest guy. Um, but he unfortunately fell in the first race, only a couple laps into it. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think I think Josh showed in the last race that he had some serious speed, too. It took him kind of the weekend, and he had some bike problems and 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 stuff so you know i don't know who, i i think the americans definitely surprised them this year you know they've kind of dominated down there the australians or the new zealand guys or the english guys and then uh we came in there and 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 brought a little bit more of the a team this year and you know i think it showed and and um so i think next year we had a good chance to beat them and is that something uh i'm curious because this this year was an absolutely all-star team and it was unfortunate Pridmore got injured uh, our best wishes to him I think he's on the mend but uh, are you going to be able to take part in that again I mean clearly uh, it takes some some pretty serious funding to get a team over there of the caliber and size that uh, you guys sent yeah I, I'm hoping so you know I'm talking with those guys about doing it next year I really like I said I really enjoyed it um it was it was more racy than I was expecting. <laughs> I guess that all vintage racing ends up that way, especially when you put old racers on older bikes. We end up, you know, it doesn't matter if we're on XR100s or on MotoGP bikes. We're going to go after it, and that's quickly what it turned into. <laughs> uh, about I think it took about two corners before I decided, hey, this isn't funny more. This is serious, <laughs> and we were we were going at it in the races. But I think that's. That's what I guess that for me that's what living is. You know, uh, if if you're going to race, let's race. There's so, a I lot of guys that won't throw their leg over a motorcycle. Period, because they have the same mentality as you, but they're you know like in their late 40s, mid to late 40s. Yeah, like you, 
Well, yeah. you know, I hope that I hope that <laughs> I can always do stuff like this, just because I don't know. You know, it's not it's not like I sit there and think I have to do this or I can't live. But boy, I, I there's a, you know, there's a lot of times in your life that you you think something was fun or that was cool, but I don't know. You know, it's 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 racing at the when you're riding a bike and uh, and and you do something on it that you know that was that was about as far as you can go with this thing. You know, I was right on the edge, and you pull it off with precision. I, I don't know if you can get that feeling doing anything else. I've never been able to. You know, it's kind of like when you, you you play golf and you hit that perfect shot. That's what keeps bringing you bringing you back. It's racing. When you do that, that's what brings you back. That's what just makes you want to do that and, and, and see if you can push that little bit further and still get away with it, I guess. So maybe it's personality type, but it's definitely me. <laughs> Larry, the guy who builds, uh, built those bikes, it is essentially uh, one guy. Those are his machines, right? He, it was, they're a labor of his love. Right. Uh, did he? Does he give any of you... Known quantity, fast, fast guys. Uh, a bit of a sit down beforehand. Hey, this is my vintage baby. Please don't chuck it down a racetrack because you guys were definitely flirting with uh, the fast end of the field. I mean, and crashing comes right into play. No, I mean, you know, uh, like I said, it was David Crusoe, and he he didn't say anything to me like that because I would have then I would have probably backed it down. A quarter of one percent. Then, but <laughs> I always, you know, I, I kind of pride myself as a racer. I've always been the guy that I'm not the guy that's trying to throw the thing in the gravel trap. So, you know, I, I mean, some guys do, and I don't know that it's on purpose either. I think you just get carried away. But um, now that wasn't that wasn't even discussed. You know, there was no hey, you know, if you crash this, you own it type thing. So I'm glad because I would have maybe slowed down a little bit then. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it can only hurt the results. I just find it interesting with vintage racing. Uh, there's a number of forms of it. Tony, you've been involved in some, and you know, handing a fast guy a vintage bike that a lot of labor's gone into making perfect, only to watch it get destroyed. But that's racing, you know, and it's good to hear that they. Again, they did the right thing putting guys like you out there, Larry. It was an impressive display by the whole team. For sure. Larry, one time I got invited to race over in England at Farley Castle, the uh, the motor, the pretty legendary old motocross track that they have a race there once a year now. And uh, for Team International Air Hammer, which is a vintage race by nature, it's a YZ490 that we were on. I don't think I'd ever seen a YZ490 in person before this race. And Keith McCarty himself supplied the parts for this bike, not these bikes that they supplied for us. And I, I had suspension done and I brought it with me and we threw it on and I went racing and it was, I was not invited back uh, <laughs> because I broke things that Brock Glover didn't break when he was riding that bike. So uh, in one race, not was, even, he didn't break him over a season. You managed to do the deed in one race. I did. I was really, they were like, you're really hard on stuff and i'm like maybe yeah, yeah. so yeah so that they're gonna give you the invite back or it looks like it i've been asked to they actually want me to do some vintage racing this summer to try to get more prepared for next winter i've just been so busy and then doing the flat track stuff too i haven't been able to but uh yeah, they, they've asked me back. You know, they just don't know me that well yet, so that may change. <laughs> it's awesome. How come you get to – so on the flat track deal, Did you? is there a qualifier? Or how do you 
How does that happen? Is it because you're Larry Pegram that you can just go race the Twins class? or No, you've got to qualify. I mean, you know, everybody comes there, and that's what, you know, just making the mains is is pretty good feat. You know, there's some guys that aren't making them. And, oh, I know. And I'm just pretty, curious how you got in there. Well, I, I kind of done, you know, I, I guess it's just because I've done it for so long. They go, oh, here comes that old guy again. Let him ride. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I rode one... I did one race last year, and I did the X Games last year, too. So I did one AFT race to get ready for the X Games. So I kind of keep my foot in the door. And, and uh, uh, you know, like I said, I, I, I'm not taking it 100% like this isn't my job, but we're getting a little bit more serious about it. So, you know, we did two races in a row, and and uh, we tested a little bit. So I'm starting to uh, get pretty comfortable on it instead of just showing up and doing one race a year. Uh, and, and so I want to see what we can do. I'd like to I'd like to maybe throw it up on the podium at my age and scare some of these young guys a little bit. Are you thinking you're going to uh, make it to uh, one of every of the disciplines? I mean, you've done uh, thus far, you know, that was a TT, not the fastest of the the disciplines. Are you looking to do a mile? Because as we know, those those – Indians are incredible on the miles. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I definitely want to, uh, to be honest with you, uh, and, and it started off a little bit as, as kind of, you know, what are you thinking? But now that we're getting a little bit quicker, there's some people that go, going, eh, maybe you could do that. You know, I have won a superbike. I've won superbike races. I've won mile races. I've won half-mile races. So I have to win a short track and a TT. If I can win a short track and a TT, I'd be one of only four guys that have ever I'd be the fifth guy to ever do that. Where you won all, you know, the grant, the real the grand, grand slam, bike, yeah, absolutely, uh, with, absolutely, superbike. So that's somewhat my goal. You know, I think I think I can win a short track race. To be honest with you, the TT is going to be harder. It's more of a young guys thing, but we'll see. So I'm going to try to do all the short tracks and TTs this year, and then maybe a couple of the half miles and maybe a mile. I'm not sure. So we might see at Peoria or Springfield. Those are options, at least on the TT side of things. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to that. That gives me yet more reasons to go over and watch those races that I really like going to. Um, do you have a track at your uh, facility there in Ohio? You strike me as a guy who might have enough pasture that you've laid yourself oh, out a track. I've got tracks. Unfortunately, my track at my house has grass growing on it, so that just tells you that I work too much. I spent my whole life uh, racing, trying to be able to purchase enough land and a house and everything. And I finally got it. And now I don't ride on it. <laughs> so yeah, I do have a track here and I need to be riding on it more. And that's one of the things a little bit in these races that I did these first two races, I definitely didn't have the stamina at the end of the race I needed. So I'm working on that now and trying to ride a little bit more and getting more ready. But, um, yeah, it seems like between the kids' soccer and work and everything that I'm doing right now, it, it, we we don't I don't get enough time to do what I really love, and that's racing motorcycles. So I'm trying to reprioritize my time, but it's not working out that way. Spin classes, Larry. Okay, yoga, spin classes. Sure. Hot yoga, spin classes once a week. Hot yoga once a week, and uh, wear glasses if you need them. Yeah. Spin. I don't you know can... about the hot yoga. I never. I don't understand why you'd ever want to make it hotter. You know, <laughs> but that's not me. Loosens you up supposedly, right, Tony? No, I've a, never. I've a... never done it. I have no. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, I've done the spin classes, and those are horrible. I'm doing one tomorrow morning. They really do suck. I really don't like doing spin classes. I go to Cycle Bar. It's super expensive, 
and I keep going because it's working. It's working. You can't argue with results. Yeah. Larry, uh, what's next for you? Where are you going? Uh, well, there's a, there's a TT in Arizona mm-hmm. on the 27th of April. I'm not 100% in on that one yet, but I think we're going to do that one. So that would be the next one, which looks like it could be really fun. It's a off-road truck track that they're doing a TT race at. So it's really big. It's like, I guess, about 45-second, 50-second lap times and several different, you know, uh, elevation changes and so forth. So that's that's where I'm looking at next, and uh, hopefully that's going to be something that uh, we get worked out so I can do that one. I've raced on a truck track on a dirt bike before. It was part of, um, it was in Prim, Nevada, and it was part of the work series, I think. Or no, it was the, the big, I don't know, some off-road race. And you go out in the desert, and then you come into this truck. And I haven't seen, I've only seen the commercial for this AFT that you're talking about. But it's it's scary. You're going yeah, well, so they, fast. Supposedly they 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 went out there and tested on it, and the jumps were too peaked, you know, and they were just getting too much air, and they were breaking the bikes because these 320 pound motorcycles don't land as well as a 220 pound 450 does. So the the what I was told by the AFT guys is that for the race at um, the Arizona TT, they're going to taper the jump takeoffs down so that we're not getting so much height on them. Because I, I don't want to go out there and break a bunch of stuff or myself. So right. that's no that's kidding. The plan. Yeah, we saw that at. Um, You'll we, still be home. We saw that at Peoria. You know, there were literally parts falling off of motorcycles. Literally parts falling off that foot pegs on Sammy's butt. Everybody's exhausts. Yep. I mean, foot peg hangers. Full on factory bikes were breaking parts, so it can yeah. happen. Well, hopefully not. Let's let's hope not. Well, Larry, I mean, <laughs> we're looking forward to the rest of your season. You do you. Not only are you the crowd becoming a crowd favorite, you're ours as well. Uh, it it does the does the heart good to hear a, a fast racer come out of the woodwork and continue to be fast. Uh, the guys you were down with at the Phillip Island Classic with, we talked to Josh Hayes pretty regularly. There's no one less happy about being somewhat on the sidelines than that guy that I've met thus far. Did you get that yeah. impression from him, too? He's always been a good guy. You know, that's one of those guys that you're just like, you could stick him anywhere, and he's going to be in a pretty good mood. You know what I mean? And, and there's not many guys like that, especially guys that are, are as tenacious as he is. If you're that good a racer and you're that mean, basically, of a racer, and I don't mean that he's mean in any way, but you got to be mean to be able to, you know, do what you need to do on the track. Most of the times the guys are a bit of a jerk, and he's just not. You know, he's just a genuine good guy. So it's nice to see that he's ex- he's been able to do the same thing that I'm able to do, do some racing, have some fun. Uh, I think it makes when you spent your whole life doing something a lot easier than, you know. But some of these guys, it's easier for them to just, the day it's done, you never see them again. And I understand that too, you know. But for me, it's been, it's been a way of life as much as it's been, you know, uh, anything else so for me to just completely walk away from it 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 would be like you know turning away from my family well larry we're glad to be able to continue to interview you on this show and talk about racing current racing that you're doing it's pretty cool we want to appreciate it we want to talk to you if you get that grand slam that is an interview we can't wait to have i hope it happens for you i appreciate it guys all right we're going to take a break that was our interview with larry pegram when we come back we're going to talk to an off-road racer, a pro named Evan Smith. This is Pit Fast. My name is Corey West. I'm a- 
It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.